There are so many things about this gospel. It is probably the most famous gospel story, and in many ways it is the central message of our Christian faith. This image of the father dealing with the lost son and the son who was never lost but also never fully there. Does each one of us need, we, we are encouraged right now, especially to take a moment to just remind ourselves, maybe read this passage again. Yes, I know it's long, but read it again because there's so much there about myself, my own experience. I have been the prodigal son. I have said no to God's ways at times. I walked away from him. I didn't come to church one Sunday. I slept in kind of lazily. I don't follow some of the church's teachings in some ways. I walk away from my father. And I've had that experience, hopefully, that the father, the church, has come out to me, reached out to me. The door to confession wasn't closed to me. It was wide open to me. I've experienced the forgiveness of the father, the welcoming of of the father, even though I didn't deserve it. And maybe, too, I've experienced moments when I've been the elder son looking down on someone around me, my brother or my family or my sister, or some stranger that I didn't even know, or some sinner that doesn't seem to belong here, and why are they here? That's not right. That's kind of weird to think that the church would welcome those people. Why are they here? Or telling people, you don't belong here. The church doesn't welcome those people. Anyway, it's important for us to ponder this gospel message. It's actually the reason, for example, a little footnote, why I personally have no problem with any of the crazy, whatever, anecdotes sometimes people highlight of the Old Testament or the God of violence or jealousy or whatever, because you have to understand all of it in light of this passage, because this is the fullness of the gospel. And everything else in the Bible makes sense in light of, in light of this. And without this, you lose it. It doesn't make sense. It loses its meaning. So this passage is really important for us. We need to live it, read it again, ponder it, imitate it. But I was struck, and I want to zero in on something very specific, the first line. It says, tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Think about that for a moment. The most unlikely people to be seen at Sunday synagogue We're drawing near, we're drawn to, we're attracted to whom? To the all-holy God, to Christ, God of heaven in the flesh, the image of holiness, of perfection, of sinless living. To holiness himself, they were attracted to him. They were not intimidated by him, by his holiness or his sinlessness. Christ was attractive. The real God drew sinners to him just by his very presence. Real holiness, if it's real holiness, will do the same, has to do the same. It's reaching out, it's welcoming, it's attracting, drawing all people to itself. When I think, each one of us invite, like, just think for yourself, when I think of holiness or the Christian lifestyle, I think of these people up there, somebody on some pedestal out there, or perfection, or piety, I don't know. Maybe I think of the elder son. Maybe I miss the father, and I think, oh, holiness is the elder son. That's the church. It's indignant at sinful people. It's not welcoming. It pushes people away. Thinking that elder brother is in the father's house, everything's fine, I'm here in church, check, good for me, he's very much mistaken. That's not holiness. That's a twisted version of holiness. Sometimes, sadly, our church gets the stigma and and falsely caricatured as some of its worst members. That's not right. 
Holiness is attractive, inviting. There's an anecdote about Pope John Paul II when he died. And this is a person who he was a champion for the, the movement, for the dignity of, of every single person, all people, men, women, the unborn. He fought for those things. He was kind of sometimes projected as your conservative person, maybe. When he died, President Clinton at the time, who was kind of portrayed in the media more of on the liberal side of things, he said this. He said, you didn't always agree with him, but you knew he was on your side. That's holiness. That's what Christ looked like. He didn't always agree with everyone he spoke to, but you knew he loved you. There's so much division in our society today. And not just division between like the sinners and those who are not coming to our Lord or not coming to church or you know, whatever, but almost every issue today has been about division and division between increasingly polarized sides. It's, I'm on this side, you're on that side, it's me versus you, us versus them. Well, that's a, that may be over minor things, like my group, my lunch group versus your lunch group, and we don't deal with each other. Or I go to this church, you go to that church, or you're a, I don't know, Catholic, or a Protestant, or atheist, or I go to Holy Family, or Holy Rosary, or St. Anthony, or I like the traditional stuff, or I like the more contemporary stuff. Or more controversial issues. Or racism, right? I'm this race, I'm that, you're that race, we don't get along together, we're not supposed to. I'm liberal, you're conservative. I'm pro-life or pro-child, you're pro-woman. Those two somehow seem like they're supposed to be opposed. Pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine. There are problems that are not my problems and my problems that they can't even relate to, whatever. And if you, for what it's worth, a little footnote, I always notice that in the media, it's always about abstractions. This group of people, that group of people. It keeps us from seeing the brother right next to me and calling him by name, because he's part of a group, he's labeled. St. Paul said, after his own experience of Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, not even man or woman in the sense that all are equal. All are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Our Lord doesn't want division or sin. He gathers together. He calls together. That's the whole message of the Bible from Old Testament to New Testament. Those who are estranged from God, he's reaching out to them to bring them home. And they're supposed to be called into a setting. That's what church means, right? The gathering together in a setting where they can experience that love of the Father, that welcoming face of Christ. He came, we say all the time, to reconcile us to one another, prodigal son to elder son, and to the Father. To heal the wounds of sin and division. A little distraction, like in our society today, there's obviously lots of difference. In the whole church today, there's a lot of difficulties, rather. A lot of division, and sometimes an overemphasis of like my church and your church, or my thing, your thing. I go to the fundraiser for Holy Family, but I don't go to the couple's retreat for St. Anthony because that's not mine. It's theirs. I think sometimes if, if only the church maybe had worked a little bit more together over the last many decades, perhaps we wouldn't be facing such difficulties as we tend to be facing today. I don't know. Think about this. What if the elder son, instead of saying to his father, oh, he doesn't belong here, that son of yours, 
What if he had said, Father, let me go after him. Father, I'll go find him out, find out where he is. I'll go seek him out. He's lost, he's struggling. The sins that he's giving into, let me go reach out to him. What if the elder son had that same heart of the father, of compassion, of welcoming? I want to go reach out to him. Make sure he can come home to you. That heart that beats in sync with the heart of the father. But what if the father had to reply to the elder son, I wish I could, but I can't send you. You don't have that welcoming spirit about you. You're, you're kind of intimidating. You're kind of a strong personality. You're kind of stuck with your groupies, your people that you always hang out with. You don't come across as someone that would welcome someone else. You're always with people just like you. Your group of friends is a little closed off to new people. I don't know if you know that or not, but it's kind of closed off. At least that's the vibe that you tend to give. You tend to label people as like you or not like you. They're this group or that group, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, in your group or someone else of that skin color or another skin color, and that's kind of how you see things. Everyone's in their group, and that's not your group. Your parish vibe is a little bit stuck up or, I don't know, kind of doesn't really, I don't know, turn people on towards it. Sometimes it turns people off. I can't send you. People are intimidated by your group or by you. Not all people feel at home around Holy Family because they don't feel... Fill it in. Fill in the blank. All people of every different group. For five years now, we've had what was the conclusion from the people talking to the Archbishop, the Holy Spirit, guiding the discernment process that we call the Archdiocesan Synod. And set it, it set the goals for the whole church in this region. Y'all know the very first priority of the Synod is? You better, because it's been sitting out there for like three months, and you got to get to line one. It says, we are to form welcoming communities that celebrate our unity in diversity. You can't just blow that off. It's the first priority. God cares about it. I was listening recently to a podcast with Father Josh Johnson out of Baton Rouge. He was talking about racism and how we're supposed to face it. What are some things that Catholic should be trying to do in that difficulty? He talked about elements in my circles that might be a little intimidating, maybe inadvertently so, but they're there nonetheless if I'm sensitive to things. It was very convicting. I might put it on Facebook later for those who want to listen to it, but just a lot to think about. But what is, for example, I don't know, what is, what is the Catholic view of white people, or of this group of people, or LGBT people, or, I don't know, you name it, traditionalists or conservatives. What's the Catholic view? They don't exist. Insofar as they don't exist as abstractions, as groups, there's always every single person. The Catholic only sees Steve, only sees Christian, only sees Gary only sees Ethan, and all his uniqueness only sees that person. Distinct from ideas or movements or moral confusion, we see the person, each one. And each one called by God to holiness, the holiness of Christ, the joy and love of Christ. Yes, broken by original sin, made worse by personal sins, and struggling, therefore, to recognize happiness or truth and to reach it, 
but each invited to be my sister, my brother. That's how the Catholic sees the world. Father Mike Schmitz years ago was given a presentation or a, a conference for Focus, a lot of young people, and he was talking about homosexuality. And he was making the point, look, it's, it's often like us versus them. Look, there is no us versus them. Because we're all together in this broken situation of our own hearts, of our own families, of our own world, of our own church. This is a hospital, and we're all patients lying next to the next patient, hurting in some way. Far be it from us to look down on the one next to me, he's just like me. There's a lot for us to think about, and you do have a homework assignment, ready? Homework assignment. It's in the bulletin, I actually made it. It's in the bulletin, it's on Facebook, you can download it. It looks like the synod, because outside you see the synod goals, but this just focuses on the first one. It's an examination of conscience on that forming of welcoming communities, on my own welcoming spirit. I want you to look at it in the bulletin, which means you actually have to read the bulletin, or download it if you want to do that. But definitely, that's, I'm serious about that. Like, take it and ponder it, because the Holy Spirit's been challenging us to do this for five years. And sometimes we're still kind of bad at it. I'll just read a couple of them. First of all, what is my gut reaction to ideas like Christian living or holiness? Is it perfectionism and piety, aloofness or judgmentalism? Or is it rather a loving union with the all-holy God whose real face, that is Jesus Christ, radiated welcome, serenity, joy, and an appreciation for each person? Number two, do I desire to be like Christ, a person whom others felt very drawn to and welcomed by? Does my face generally radiate openness to others? Or do I allow them to feel the burdens reflected by my countenance? Would strangers perceive me as closed in on myself or as interested in them? Have I striven to make a new person feel welcome at church this week? Have I introduced myself to someone new, especially someone who might be here alone? Do I find myself complaining about, I don't know, small children? Or have I even offered assistance to their parents? Am I sensitive to elements in my social circles or in the Holy Family community that might inadvertently intimidate others wishing to share in what we have? Might someone feel they can't fit in here, perhaps intimidated by perceptions of, and there's a list of things to think about, Catholics only, or Luling natives and Ponville graduates only, because if you went to Dastrahan, you can't come here. A certain class of people, a certain ethnic group. And then when you walk in, you immediately feel like you don't fit in, because no one there is like you of unworthiness upon those who can't attend Mass every Sunday or who perhaps feel labeled according to misrepresentations of Christian or Catholic moral teaching. So they feel they don't fit in. Of one-sided politics in the sense that they don't belong here. If you're not a family, you don't have kids, you don't fit here. If you have too many kids, you don't fit here because you've got to be just right here in perfect alignment with everyone else around you. 
don't know, just some things for us to think about. There's really a lot. And I really want to encourage us to take some time to pray about this topic because it's what the Holy Spirit asks us to do, especially in this community. We're about to walk towards what we call Holy Communion. The way our Lord talks about that, it's a communion open to all people. That our Lord hopes that all people would experience that joy around His table. He's inviting each and every one. And yes, it's true, each needs to change in some way. Our Lord called all of us to change. Each needs to be rightly disposed, like the good soil, to receive the seed that our Lord is planting here. And if I need to, I go to confession to let go of any sin. But each one of us, I need to be inviting all. I need to be inviting to all. My face, my attitude, how I talk to them. How I care about them and actually go out of my way, perhaps, to make them feel that. Just like our Lord does. Just like real holiness does. It's an invitation to ponder and really reflect on this in my personal life, my own heart, my own family, my community, my group of friends, our church. There's a suggestion box actually in the back if you have any ideas, like ways we could perhaps be more sensitive to things. Please, by all means, use it. We might be overlooking things that we need to be open to change. We asked the Blessed Mother to help us. She saw her son able to do what no Jew of her time would do. When you were Jewish at the time, you only dealt with Jews. You didn't go to a Gentile's house. That was weird. That was unholy for them at the time. She watched him break so many barriers. She watched the rabbi of man, like this male rabbi teacher, talk to women, talk to the Samaritan woman, double negative in those times. Sorry, I hope I didn't offend anybody. <laughs> but it's, it was a time, it was really, really weird that the Lord was all about that. We asked our Blessed Mother to show us what that looks like. And we asked for the grace, perhaps, like we talked about the elder brother. What if I said this? What if I said, Lord, send me. Help me to reach out. If there's something in me or in my group of friends that pushes people away, perhaps people who feel different from me, let me be the one. Show me those things in me that are not okay. Show me those things in my groups that are not okay. I give your permission, Lord, I, I want to see it. I need to become aware so that with your grace I might fix it. So that I might be a reflection of your face to draw them in. Because that's why I'm here. That's the whole point of being Catholic. That's what happened when you were baptized. We were sent. Christians means we follow Christ doing what he did. May the Holy Spirit really bring about the needed change, first in our own hearts, and more importantly, in a world that is only too full right now of division after division and separation and group after group after group, when our Lord sees only one group, and they are his family, his daughters, his sons, my brothers and yours, my sisters and yours. We pray that our Father, because we have one Father in heaven, and we are all brothers. We're all sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.